Hi, this is Jean-Jacques Taylor, and you're listening to Jot Talk. This is a podcast where I talk about the Cowboys, the team I've covered as a beat writer, columnist, TV insider, and radio host for 28 years. I'll also talk about the NFL and the things I love, working out, streaming, food, and all things Dallas. My boy, Big Joe and the Big Rig, one of my oldest friends, produces the show and occasionally chimes in with his thoughts on the Cowboys. After all, he's a lifelong Cowboys fan, and he played high school, college, and semi-pro football. Welcome to Jock Talk, where sports is fluid. What's true today might not be true an hour, a day, or a month from now. I'm going to give you the truth straight. No chaser. Glad to have you aboard. Let's get it. And welcome to episode three of Jock Talk. Got to tell you, uh, it's exciting. Cowboys opened up the season tonight 40 to nothing over the New York Giants. Uh, me and Big Joe... And the Big Rig going to get into all things Dallas Cowboys uh, during this episode of Jock Talk. Uh, we will discuss that dominating defensive performance. Um, we'll talk a little bit about what the Texas Coast offense looks like with uh, Mike McCarthy calling plays. And then what podcast would be complete talking about the Dallas Cowboys without dipping into uh, Dak Prescott and his performance tonight. First, though, um, I got to tell you, man, this is one of the most uh, – Impressive opening day performances I've seen, and I've been covering the team since 1995. And it made me think. I mean, I was going through my memory bank. I was I was going to look through it all, and I was just like, you know what? I'm not that committed tonight. Uh, but uh, I was trying to figure out the last time they had an opening day win this impressive. And the one that just kept popping in my memory was, uh, ironically enough, against the New York Giants, and it was my first, first game on the beat, first regular season game on the beat, 1995, first play of the game, Emmitt Smith goes up the middle on lead draw, 60 yards for a touchdown. He goes crazy, uh, ends up giving that football away to a veteran he had met the previous summer who asked him to uh, dedicate a touchdown ball to him and score a touchdown for him. And for him to do that on the first play had him all excited. Uh, the Cowboys won 35 nothing. Uh, that was also the day, man, that uh, Phil Knight and Jerry Jones came out together, and it ended up being a big lawsuit where uh, Jerry sued the NFL because he wanted to have things, the, the official shoe of the, of the Texas Stadium at the time or the official drink at Texas Stadium, and NFL marketing wouldn't allow him to do that. That was also the night that what? Um, Kevin Smith who had just signed a lucrative long-term deal towards Achilles, and that was really the beginning of the end for Pup because he was never quite right after that. Uh, Deion Sanders had also signed in the offseason, seven years, $35 million, but uh, he didn't play in the first game. Uh, so that was a lot going on, but uh, real talk, 35 nothing uh, that night, and that's the only game I remember where the Cowboys were that dominant in an opener. Uh, the way they were tonight. Um, just a real quick uh, rundown on some stats to give you an idea of just how dominant the Cowboys were. New York Giants, man, this is incredible to me. 65 plays, 171 yards. Uh, quarterback Daniel Jones, you know, he of the four-year, $160 million contract. Yep. Well, for all that loot, 15 of 28 104 yards, two interceptions, 32.4 passer rating, lowest passer rating of his NFL career. Now, let's keep it real, though. 
Dude got sacked seven times, had another one or two sacks called back, was under constant pressure and duress most of the night. There's not a quarterback in the NFL who can be harassed like that and turn in a quality of performance. Uh, the Giants only had 14 points. Uh, you know, they did keep the ball for 33 minutes, which is a little bit interesting. But it, the, the game was kind of played in a torrential downpour, and so I think that contributed to some of the uh, passing woes. Uh, but your Dallas Cowboys, they didn't do a lot on offense, man. Uh, 265 yards, they only had 55 plays. Uh, running game, 122 yards, 4.1 average, which is pretty good. And uh, Dak Prescott had a, uh, had a solid performance, uh, 13 of 24, 143 yards. Uh, the main thing with Dak is he didn't turn the ball over. Uh, Roger, I don't Jay. think he threw a pass that was close that was close to being intercepted. And so, uh, you know, for him, he also had a few drops. Uh, but for him, it was it was a quality performance. Uh, he also had a couple of big pass interference penalties. So, uh, you know, it's a uh, it's a good start to the season for the Cowboys. I mean, forty to nothing, man. I uh, I didn't see anything like that coming out the gate. Matter of fact, I put it on Twitter. I thought it'd be 17-13 because I thought the wind, I thought the rain would really affect the game. But uh, in the end, uh, Dallas blowout. And, uh, I'm, I, you know, that was the game it reminded me of. Did it remind you of any, any opening day blowout? No, no. It, 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 I just thought the game was gritty on offense and dominant on defense. That's kind of that's how I looked at it. I mean, the offense didn't produce that many yards, but they got it done. They played a gritty game. They played a conservative game. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's what I thought. That was, that was kind of my thought, thought, my take on it. I thought we would beat the Giants. You know what's interesting? Oh. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Um, these games change quickly. Yeah. And they change um, in subtle ways. So the game starts, and um, I'm sitting here going, well, dang. Uh, the Giants are moving down the field, no problem. Uh, and I'm thinking, let me see, you got Hankins this year, you got Mozzie Smith this year, and I can't tell because the Giants are just ripping the Cowboys' um, uh, defensive line right up the middle. I yep. mean, I think the game started, Saquon Barkley is like you can't tackle him, and I'm just like, man, is this going to be a repeat? Yeah. Uh, because Barkley went for nine. Then he went for five. You know, Daniel Jones is scrambling. And here's to me, as simple as this is, this is where the game changes. Uh, Daniel Jones scrambles for eight yards on second and ten. It's third and two at the Dallas eight. Let's keep it real. The way they've been running the ball, I'm thinking Barkley twice, they got a first down. That's going to be first and goal. Instead, we get a false start. So third and two from the eight becomes third and seven from the 13. Um, next play, bad snap, eludes uh, Daniel Jones. He's got to chase it all the way back to the 27. Michael Parsons falls on him, and all of a sudden it's fourth and 21, and the Giants are like, dang, I thought we finished settle for a touchdown, and now we got to settle for a field goal, but at least we're going to get this field goal. We up 3 nothing to start the game. No. Kick is blocked by Wanye Thompson, um, the new dude that they just traded for last week. Now, see, I got to work on this pronunciation because I didn't really think it was going to be a factor. 
It's a guy they traded, boss man, fat Kelvin Joseph for to Miami. You want me to, uh, you want me to pronounce it three for years you? Ago. You want me to pronounce yeah, it? Yeah, go on, dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Number yeah. 19. Really, dog? Yeah. That's what I said. Okay, who so number hell, 19. Who the hell is number 19? Oh, my. I don't, I don't even know who that is. Oh, he was just acquired. And man, I can't pronounce it. And, 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 and Digba and Gop. Hey, man, he probably got a whole lot of letters, man. I'm just saying. I don't, you know, but. We watched him ball. You know, he. I was like, "Who the hell is that?" And I don't care. That's great. You know what I'm saying? That's that's how I was looking at. It. Nah, well, he uh, he he picked up the ball, got the lucky lucky bounce on it, scooted down the right sideline uh, for a 58 yard touchdown, and just like that, uh, it was six nothing. Lined up for the extra point, and I'd be daggone if Brandon Aubrey did not miss the extra point. Missed it badly <laughs> to the left, and I was just like. You know, dog. Yeah. And we finna put up with this poop again. Yep. I mean, it's bad enough. That's the last memory we have of last year. Like, oh, we. I mean, hey, don't leave for the extra point because it it's not automatic these days. Uh, but it's six nothing, and the Cowboys suddenly had the momentum because uh, of the blocked field goal return for a touchdown. Uh, then the Giants go three and out. Uh, they get a Micah Parsons sack to end that series. And the Cowboys go on a very methodical drive, man. Nine plays, 72 yards, three minutes, 45. Uh, and they get a field goal from uh, Aubrey, 21 yards. And I was thinking, you know what? Because they had third and goal from the New York two. And I was just like, man, you missed an opportunity there to, uh, to get a touchdown and really seize control of the game. But they're up 9 nothing, And then three plays later, man, Daniel Jones hits um, – Saquon Barkley in the left flat. He takes one step. And guess who lays him out? Trayvon Diggs. Trayvon Diggs. Yep. Were yep. you as shocked as I was? Yeah, because he blasted him. He blasted him. Stop. Yeah, he put his shoulder in him. You got to take the opportunity when it's ball. There. Yeah, the ball pops right up. Deron Bland runs right up under it. Returns that thing. Uh, 22 yards for a touchdown. It's 16 nothing. And the way the Cowboys are playing defense, even at that early juncture of the game, you're like, if they don't turn the ball over, this thing will wrap because I, I can't see the Giants doing anything. Uh, some, and that's some, guys, how I, some guys are ball magnets. And what I mean by that is like Sean Lee had it and Bland has it, where if he's in the vicinity of the ball, if it's loose, if it's a pick to be had, it's like the ball just come to him. You know what I'm saying? That that's 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 bland to me. He don't his his he don't his skills don't jump out at you, but the ball just kind of hops in his hand. I, I consider that a ball man. Well, this is my take on that. The, the Cowboys have led the league in turnovers, uh, takeaways each of the last two years. The Cowboys went forever, like forever, being a team that didn't create any turnovers. And you had coaches who said, "Oh, we we work on it. We practice techniques. We do this. We do that." And my whole point to this, and I, I really used to use Byron Jones as an example. Byron Jones is a really good player. His first-round pick. Uh, Byron Jones had two interceptions in five years with the Cowboys. Byron Jones had a handful of interceptions at Connecticut. Uh, Byron Jones had a handful of interceptions <laughs> in high school. And my point with Byron Jones was always that um, – some guys create turnovers and some guys don't. And so you can coach some technique things, but some guys just, as you're, as you're alluding to, just have a way for being around the ball and making things happen. And so my thought was, if you want more turnovers from your team, 
you really need to add people to your team who are like that, who have a knack, who got the ball away from the opponents in college, who if you brought them from another team, they created turnovers on other teams. Because some guys just do it and some guys don't. And so the more guys you have on your team that do it quite naturally, you get those turnovers. And now exactly what you're talking about, I think they have a roster full of guys who do that. And so what's happened? They get a lot more turnovers now. Yeah. So Cowboys up 16 nothing. They had a field goal. And, uh, you know, they're just playing great football, man. And then uh, to go up 19 nothing, And then, you know, Daniel Jones is chased out of the pocket. He's running from his life. Makes a bad decision. Throws the ball. Uh, Stephon Gilmore makes a nice interception. I'm, I wasn't sure he intercepted. I really thought the ball hit the ground, but he, they said he caught it. He got his hands up under it. Uh, that gives the Cowboys the ball at the Giants 25. Uh, they take that in and score on a run by Tony Pollard, and it's 26 nothing, bro. And, and uh, at that point, I'm like, okay, it's uh, eight and a half minutes left in the second quarter. This game is over because you can tell from the way the Cowboys' defense is playing. There is nothing to be had for the Giants today. Um, now, I, I do some work for a website called Sportsnot and uh, Sportsnot.com. And uh, I read, I wrote something probably about three and a half weeks ago about the Giants. And one of the things I wrote was the Giants have no receivers. They got Darren Waller, who's good, but they don't have any other proven receivers on the team. The fact that they got Cole Beasley on their team and he's expected to be a real contributor tells you something about that. Cole Beasley is at the house retired for the first part of last season. Um, So... Once the Giants had to throw, bro, the strength of this team, this Dallas Cowboys team, is its pass rush and its pass defense. Now, if they have Gilmore and Diggs, there is no corner to pick on. The safeties are one of the deepest, strongest parts of this team. And then the pass rush with Michael Parsons is, uh, is really, really good. And so once it got to be 26 nothing, and the Giants had to throw the ball, at that point to me, this thing was a wrap. Yeah, the pass rush. The pass rush is it usually on a dominant defense. You have one unit that's dominant. Sometimes it's all three parts of all three, but usually you have one unit that's pretty dominant. Well, for the Cowboys, that that that's the front. That's that's the front. That the the front end is like a pack of dogs, and number eleven is the alpha dog. But definitely the other guys right. are dogs. Because sometimes you just have the alpha dog and you have a bunch of pups and they just they just block that guy and you know they, they don't have to work as hard with the other ones. But rest assured that if the alpha dog gonna get you, you're gonna get hit by a dog anyway. Cause it's a lot of dogs. Um, 92, 90, 97 showed some dog in them today. Uh they lined Michael Parsons up all over the place. It was ex- it was it was excellent. And dominant. And you, your boy was playing chess out there. Dan Quinn was playing chess while other people was playing checkers. Um, there's one last thing I want to talk about the game before we get into uh, a few more specifics. And there was a play at the end of the first half. It's 26 uh, nothing. Cowboys in complete control. Um, third and 10 at the Dallas 26, 56 seconds left. And I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say what would have happened with Kellen Moore as the play caller because we don't know because he's no longer here. He's with the Chargers. Uh, 
But I thought it was very interesting that on third and 10 from Dallas 26, up 26 nothing, 56 seconds left, uh, they basically ran a draw play to Tony Pollard, picked up four yards and punted the ball and gave it back to the Giants. And here's why it was an interesting play to me. In the past, it seems like, okay, third and 10, let's take a shot, see if we can pick up the first down and get some more points. But the fact that you're already up 26 nothing. The fact that you're at your own 26, so you need a huge play to get in scoring position. The fact that uh, you get the ball to start the second half. The fact that Dak threw a lot of interceptions last year. The smart play really was, let's just run the ball, force them to use their last timeout, kick the ball to them. The way our defense has been playing, they're not going to go the length of the field in 42 seconds and no timeouts. That, to me, was a smart football play that most people will overlook. Uh, but it, I think it's a sign of what to expect from Mike McCarthy in terms of how he wants to manage the game and how he wants to limit unnecessary risk for Dak Prescott this season. What do we call that? We call that Smart football. We call that the, the new term is complementary football. That's what okay, we, that's I'll what, take that. That's what we call that. Let's uh, compliment the I did hear the on the broadcast today. Yeah, I heard on the broadcast today that, uh, uh, how do I want to say this, that Mike McCarthy said he was going to play through the defense, basically saying that was the strongest part of their team. Right. And that was the way, that's the way you win championships. And so he was going to play to it and through it. And uh, we'll see if that continues with that. I mean, that was a hell of a performance today. Uh, it's, I mean, that was, uh, that was damn near as good as it gets. Uh, and, and so let's talk about that defense, man. Um, I thought the, I, like I said, the run defense was shaky at first, but once the game turned and they had to throw, they had no chance. Cowboys, uh, defense was, was spectacular. And I couldn't tell whether they were getting sacks because the coverage was so good or whether they were getting sacks because the rush was so good. Um, the bottom line, though, is when you look at it, they had seven sacks. That's the second highest sack total that they've ever had in an opening day win. And the sacks went down like uh, this. Oza Odigizua had uh, two. Dorrance Armstrong had two. Michael Parsons had one. Uh, Chauncey Golston had one. He also had one that was negated by a penalty. And then Demarcus Lawrence had one. Uh, you know, they also had 10 tackles for losses. Uh, they hit the quarterback 12 times. It was, a, uh, it was an outstanding pass rush from the Cowboys all night. And as you said, man, they lined Michael Parsons up all over the place, inside, on the edge. He was stunting. He was looping. He was, I mean, he was a force of nature, man. They had no answers. For well, we him. talk about, when we talk about Michael Parsons, we talk about LT comparisons, different body type. Bigger player, Michael Parsons. Michael Parsons probably faster, but I saw LT tonight. And the reason I say that is because the influence. Whoa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We need to hear more of that. Why, why is that? The influence he had on the blocking. You lined up 97 outside of him, and you lined up Parsons. Essentially, he's he a standing defensive tackle. He's standing right in the double team between the guard, the guard and the tackle. And – he goes in, they double him, your boy loops around. That's influence right there. That's LT-type stuff right there. 
wherever you go, you the, you the alpha. We're going to get you. Somebody else got to make a play. And guess what? Other guys start making a play. That's why I saw the LT stuff. That's the comparison right there. LT, those giant teams that LT was on, he wasn't. He was the alpha, but you had Carl Banks. You had Harry Carson. You had Brad Van Pelt. Um, Henry Marshall was a defensive, defensive end and people like that. Uh, that. Them guys was pretty good. They was dogs, but LT was the alpha. And that's what we see. That's what we seeing now. You know that 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 influence that he had. Well, no, he he was. Uh, you know what? He dominated the game to me. And this is what great players can do. His stats weren't even that crazy. Yep. Um, he just had a few tackles, but you felt him and you felt his presence, and you saw him harassing uh, Daniel Jones on a regular basis. Now I ain't no big Daniel Jones fan. I'm really not. Um, you know. I thought the Giants, this is, he got four years and 160 million because he got, he, he found himself in a leveraged position, uh, which, is, which is great on his part. You know, you know, I'm all for players getting as much money as they can. But he's not, to me, one of the top 10 quarterbacks in the league. And uh, they protected him a lot last year. And he's really more of a product of Brian Dayball's offense than he is anything that he did. Because one of the knocks on him throughout his career has been his propensity to turn the ball over. And uh, he did that tonight, and it really hurt him. Uh, now, he's a, he's a good athlete. He can run. He can make some things happen. But to me, he's, he's, not, he's, he's better than just a guy. But he's not in Dak's class because I, I haven't seen him throw the ball with that kind of consistency and consistently make plays with his arm well, t- uh, tonight, to, to get to that level. How many times? I don't like Daniel Jones either. But I'm gonna defend him a little bit, cause how many times did he have a clean pocket? I think I counted oh. once or twice. You know, you hit the quarterback twelve times, you sack him what seven times. What about all the other times that he's harried? You know, it's like when does he get time to even throw to somebody? That's what I'm saying. That you you paid him all that money, but ain't ain't nobody protecting him. Just ask. No, me. that's that's really the point I was taking a long way to make. Is that I really don't put like he's going to get ripped in the papers tomorrow in New York because that's what they do. But I'm I'm with you on this one. Like, what quarterback do you know can get hit twelve times, sacked seven times, and perform at a high level? The answer is none. Joe Burrow. Joe <laughs> because Burrow. Quarterbacks. Joe Burrow got hit ten times to, to, to today, and he threw for like eighty four yards, and they exactly. lost twenty four uh, to three. Yeah, that's your point right there. Yeah. Quarterbacks under duress make mistakes. Uh, and you could tell, man, that he had, whether it was uh, conscious or subconscious, at a certain point, probably midway through the second quarter, he had no confidence in his offensive line. And so he was basically dropping back. And if his first read wasn't there, he's off and running. Because uh, the best thing he did tonight was run the ball. Uh, and, and again, he's 15 for 28 for uh, 104 yards. And, you know, the other thing is, man, they didn't even complete any passes to their receivers. Uh, I mean, it was just uh, the Cowboys just shut all of that down. And I was really curious to see how the defensive, how the secondary would work with Stephon Gilmore. Because, obviously, with Trayvon Diggs, when you had Anthony Brown outside or you had Jordan Lewis outside or, God forbid, you had Kevin Joseph outside, boss man fat. That's where you go with the ball. 
especially after uh, Diggs had all those picks as a rookie. Well, now, if Stephon Gilmore is over there and your options are, oh, should I throw a Stephon Gilmore or should I throw a Trayvon Diggs? Neither one of those is good options. And uh, Diggs, uh, I mean, Gilmore was actually used a little bit on Darren Waller occasionally today because uh, they felt he was a bigger threat than, um, than the Giants' other receivers. Uh, Waller, the threat, ended up with uh, three for 36. Um, dude, they didn't, have, they, didn't, uh, they didn't have another receiver with more than three. No, nobody had more than three catches, and uh, nobody had more than 36 yards. Waller led them. And so it was a, a terrific performance by Gilmore. Nice interception. He broke up three passes. Uh, Diggs had a nice day. The safeties are good. Uh, this pass defense, now they had the advantage today because they had the lead and they knew the Giants were going to throw. But I think they're going to be one of the best secondaries in the league all year. What about you? Yeah, I think I think it's possible. I think, like you said, they deep. I think championship football starts down the middle. You know, defensive tackle, middle linebacker, safety, safety play. You got to have above average to Pro Bowl level safety play to be a, to be a, a championship defense, and I think that Dan Quinn gets Jerry has awarded him with every toy that he ever wanted. You know, think <laughs> about that. How many first round picks? How many picks? What What do you need to be great, Dan? And Dan Quinn's got it, and he ain't wasting it. So, I think you got the the you got the vehicle, you got the driver. I think we're going to win. I think we're going to win some races with these cats. That's what I think. No, no I think that, uh, I think that he's, he's asked for certain things, and then he's taking advantage of them. And so, you know, when you ask for things and you take advantage of them, then when you ask again, don't nobody give you the side eye. It's just like, okay, here. Yep. Like, you know, they basically gave him the draft. What you need in the draft yep. to take this defense to the next level. Um. And so he's responded. And uh, now, what did you mean when you said Dan Quinn was playing chess tonight? Moving Micah around, lining up Micah. I'll have better data next show, but uh, uh, he moved Micah around. I was trying to chart how how many different lineups they had and how many different positions. And it's just it's you, you don't see uh, your best player line up. Some of the matchups that he creates. I thought it was crazy or wonderful. I should say wonderful last year when I watched uh, one of the one of the MVPs of the defense, Demarcus Lawrence. Demarcus Lawrence is is one of the most unselfish players you'll ever see because he's a he's he's really supposed to be a right end, but he'll play left. He'll play defensive tackle on uh, passing downs. He'll let you know he'll let Michael line up. He'll play inside. That's that's that twist to the game. Okay. That's him being unselfish. That's what Dan Quinn asked him to do. That's what he's doing because he believed. And that's part of playing yeah. that's part of playing chess. Now you're asking Micah to line up inside and let, let 97 line up outside. I mean, where are you gonna see that at? Where do they do that? I like people say, where do they do that at? He's playing chess. You know what I'm saying? Just 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 moving pieces around the board. Um I think I told y'all during Whispers from the Star in episode two that um I talked to a few players in the locker room this last week. And to a man, I was asking about the defense, you know, why is it special? Why does it appear to be special? What's the difference the last couple of years? And to a man, they were like, oh, DQ, Dan Quinn. 
Um, and I think it was J. Ron Curse who said, he lets us be ourselves. Whatever your personality is, he'll let you be that guy. If you want to be like me, be loud, talk shit all the time, give people faces. As long as I make the plays I'm supposed to make or I'm put in position to make, he don't care. He said, some DCs, they, just, they don't want you to do that. They want you to play the way they play or act the way they act, and they don't give you the freedom to be yourself. He said, DQ gives us the freedom to be ourselves. We got a lot of playmakers on the team, and he gives everybody a chance to make plays so that everybody feels like they're involved in a scheme. Now, obviously, Micah gets most of it, but he's going to give you some t- opportunity during the game to make a play. Yep. And uh, players like that, man. They like guys who think outside the box. I think I told you one of the best things I like about Dan Quinn is this. To me, he treats defense like offensive coordinators treat it where they say, hey, we got to go into the game. We got to get Pollard so many touches. We got to get Lamb so many touches, et cetera. Okay. He goes in looking for what, what matchup can I exploit? Yep. How can I get this guy in position? How can I take advantage of this guy's skill set against this particular team? And, dude, it is, uh, it's magnificent to watch, man. And it has been for most, most of the last three years. Well, you know what else is cool about Dan Quinn is that his former, play, his former players sign off on him. Richard Sherman don't like nobody. He don't like Jim Harbaugh. Nobody. He don't like nobody. He don't like Russell Wilson. But you ask him about Dan Quinn, man, that boy almost start crying sometimes. You be like, hey, man, Dan Quinn is a motivator. Yeah, I love him. You know, he's a good – I mean, he had all them personalities on the Legion of Boom, like you said, like J-Ron was saying. He got all them players, you know, and and he had them all playing. That Bennett, what was the safety from Texas? Number 29, he was crazy. Uh, 31 was crazy. Right, Cam Chancellor. Yeah, Cam Chancellor was great. I mean, they all, all of them, he, he held it down, you know. That's, you know, that's, 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 that's Dan Queen. Okay, the defense set the tone. And the offense, to me, was very interesting. Because like I told you, offense, 18 first downs. That's fairly pedestrian. Um, 265 yards. That's a bad day at the office. Um, they ran the ball 30 times for 122 yards. I think that's pretty good. Uh, Dak Prescott, 13 to 25, 143 yards. He was not sacked, however, did not throw any interceptions. They went three out of four in the red zone in touchdowns. Um, what do you make of today's offensive performance? Um, well, no comeback. You know, we didn't have to come back because Dak didn't turn the ball over, so we didn't have to chuck it for 400 yards on the comeback. You know, all them comeback wins that he have is because he got us behind in the first place. So we don't have no empty yards. You know, trying to get back in the game. Them, them, them salad days where it's three hundred yards and 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 running backs rush for two hundred. Well, we got five hundred yards offense or four hundred. You know what? You can have them if we if we if we complement the defense. So I thought today's performance was good. And I will tell you one thing I liked about it is something that you talked about that you informed me about was that okay, their system is based on them winning routes. That first play that they put C.D. Lamb in the bunch, in the bunch formation, I thought about you, cause that was designed for him to cross and get that ball. Where before, he would them guys would have ran some crap that they would have had to beat their man, and Dak got to decide which guy's going to win, cause he's deciding that before he get up there. I think this guy might win. Well, this time it was designed go to C.D. Lamb. We 
You're going to put him in the bunch. You're going to screen for him and get the ball. And that's what that's what you was talking about, about the difference between Mike McCarthy offense and Kellen Moore offense. I saw that right away. It's just it's not sexy. Up. It's not sexy when you do complimentary football. It just wins games in the NFL most of the time. Uh, once again, Big Joe and Big Rig been picking at my notes. <clears throat> it happens. Uh, perhaps I need to to write them down and hide them somewhere. Uh, but uh, you're absolutely right. I made a note of that play, man. I think I, I mentioned it on Twitter because I was like, once again, over the last. Literally, let's let's just call it real. Over the last 20 years, I have seen countless teams get their wide receivers open by basically running illegal picks in bunch formations. Yep. And we've all said in Dallas, why the Cowboys can't do nothing like that? And the answer has always been the offense ain't really designed to do that the way it was it was uh, constructed in the past. And so when I saw that play, I was like, this is what I'm talking about. No different than when I saw, I saw that touchdown uh, to the back in the preseason where I said they schemed him open and he just walked in from five yards. Um, so that's to me, is the difference with the Texas Coast offense. There are more scheme plays for the receivers. There's more scheme plays for the backs. Um, Dak has to put a little more premium on accuracy because I saw today a couple passes where if he leads the guy, he could catch it, turn, and pick up four or five more yards, but instead he threw it behind him, and so he either had to wait on the ball or he had to turn his body to get it. And in the NFL, that one step that you lost from turning your body, you get gobbled up by a safety or linebacker for a two-yard gain or a three-yard gain yep. uh, where it should have been a little bit bigger. Well, somebody in the tight end uh, room, somebody in the tight room, tight end room got to make a play. 87, no, they were bad today yes, uh, yes. catching. Yes. Uh, who was that? Peyton Hendershot dropped a touchdown pass. Yep. Uh, Jake Ferguson dropped a f- dropped a third down catch that would have been a first down yep. that we could say could have led to a touchdown because it had been first and goal at about the seven. Uh, you know, so no, they had a bad day catching the ball. Matter of fact, I won't say that they had a bad day not catching the ball. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They got to do better, but yeah. um, I liked a lot of what I saw from McCarthy. I liked his use of Turpin. Um, if you got people who have speed and who can make a play, get them the ball in space and see what they can do. And uh, too many times last year, they didn't take advantage of people's skills. Well, uh, Turpin. So the thing ahead. about Turpin, though, he, I, I think this year, like I was saying, this year he'll be faster, he'll be fresh because he didn't play two seasons. You know, he didn't play the USFL season and then play this season. So at some point. He hit a wall, probably in camp already. You know what I'm saying? He was probably tired already. And I think his legs probably was never fresh for the whole season. So I think that's why they're getting him more involved this year. He'll be a lot more, if it's possible, he'll be a lot more quicker this year, a lot faster this year. No, he he had three carries for 14 yards. I got no problem with that. Um, Scored on a seven-yard touchdown, kind of a quick pitch behind Tyron Smith. It was their last touchdown. He also caught uh, two passes for 11 yards. And he dropped a, I don't know whether it was a hitch or a screen, something he dropped it, and that play actually looked like he had a room for him to, if he can make a guy miss because he had a blocker out there, he could have done some damage with that. Uh, yeah, I think he also had an 11-yard punt return. So he did okay with his touches, and you see kind of like what their vision for him is, five or six touches a game. One of the, uh, best, Tony, plays, one of the best plays I saw was uh, the 
that made me jump up and down was the little screen pass that, that Tony Pollard fumbled. Yeah. We need more, not, not more fumbles, but we need to get in the ball, get the ball in his hands like that. That's what we well, need to see more of. Well, once again, man, what is the West Coast offense really known for? It's known for screen passes. Right. Um, and a matter of fact, I used to be fascinated by the screen pass because uh, Bill Parcells used to love the screen pass. So if you're ever talking to Parcells and you start talking about screen passes, he would go off on a tangent and give you a deep conversation about screen passes and how you have to practice them. And if you're going to be any good at them, you have to devote um, – you have to devote periods of practice to them uh, if you're going to be any good at them. Uh, and then he would say there's also a difference between the way Green Bay runs a screen and the way Kansas City runs a screen and the way Philadelphia runs a screen. They're all West Coast offenses, but they all run the screens differently. Yeah. And so, um, you know, it was good to see it out there. And it looks to me like that's going to be a part of their offense because we saw a couple – in uh, the preseason, and that was an interesting screen because you had Turpin in motion yep. uh, going to the left, uh, and obviously with him in the game, our lives are like, okay, he in the game, let's make sure he don't get the ball. And so you send that, and he draws so much attention that then when you throw it back to Pollard, really, even though he fumbled, I thought he might score when he first caught it because he had yeah. some blockers in front of him, and it's Tony Pollard. Well, there's no, there's no lies told that you – you always been fascinated with the screen pass because he used to run that crap on Madden when it didn't even work. <laughs> I'd be like, what you run that junk for? Oh, I like that, man. That's cool. Okay. Go ahead, man. I'm killing you because you're running that crap. But yeah. yeah. Uh, Tony Pollard, his debut game as lead running back, kind of does what Tony Pollard does. 14 carries, 70 yards, 5.0 average, uh, two touchdowns, uh, ran strong inside, uh, seemed to me like he found a little rhythm in the second half. Had a really nice 25-yard run. Then I think he had another 10 or 11-yard run in the fourth quarter. Um, but, uh, you know, I think uh, the more he plays in that number one role, kind of like CeeDee Lamb took a couple games to figure out how to be a number one receiver. I think, um, you know, as the offensive line gets a little more solidified and he gets uh, into a little bit more rhythm, because remember, he didn't play during the preseason because they're trying to protect him. So, uh, I saw a lot of games today where quarterbacks and offenses looked a little shady, I think, in part because they didn't play a lot in the preseason. And so I think, uh, I think Tony Pollard would be fine. I think he's a terrific runner. And at the end of the day, he still averaged five yards a carry. Yeah, Tony is – people don't realize it, but when you stand next to Tony – when you stand Tony next to Zeke, he looks like a little guy. But Tony is 205 pounds. He's bigger than he looks. Uh, correction, Tony Pollard this year. As of the other day, 6'1", 215. Okay, 215. But he still looks small, you know what I'm saying? And he's so yeah, quick. Yeah, I think that's because his body style. Yep. I mean, yep. body type. Yep. yep. He got that long, lean frame. Yeah. He, uh, which is why he can hold 215 pounds on it and still be fast. Right, yeah. I, yeah, I liked, I liked the game today. We didn't, we didn't waste no carries with him. He ran the ball when he needed to. We got our people out of there healthy when uh, – when big the, the the what's the big kid from Clemson number ninety seven is that Wilkins? Yeah. When he hit Dak, I held my breath because he he smacked the hell out of Dak, and I was like, say y'all don't need to let him do that again. That's a lot of man right. That boy three fifty, and he hit Dak full force, and I was just waiting on number four. Please get up. 
Yeah, he got up. Okay, <laughs> it's all good. We can't let him keep doing that. You know. No, uh, the the running game, uh, Tony Pollard. Yeah, I find this interesting because you know the distribution is all will tell you a, a little insight about it. Tony Pollard. Fourteen carries. Rico Dow, Dowdle, his backup had six. Turpin had three. Deuce Vaughn had six at the end of the game when they running clock, and then Dak Prescott had the one. Um, and that takes us. Uh, I think that's a good distribution. I think we'll see a similar throughout the season. Uh, I think they're going to let Turpin get two or three a game just to see if he can break one. Uh, and that takes us to the quarterback, man. Uh, from the start, I have never stuttered and I have never backed down from it. And I'm not breaking no news. This is just what it is. Uh, this team ultimately will go as far as Dak Prescott takes them because to win in the playoffs, your quarterback has to be that dude. He's got to be that 12-letter cuss word. He's got to be that performer. And um, Dak, to me, uh, it was an interesting start. Um, I kind of like what, uh, what McCarthy's doing with the offense. Uh, I like the fact that Dak played within himself. I like the fact that there were no, to my eye, no interceptable passes, nothing that looked like, oh, dude, what are you doing with the ball right there? Yep. Um, you know, he spread the ball around, which he doesn't have a problem with. He had a big pass interference uh, call to Brandon Cooks. Uh, he got another one to C.D. Lamb late. And so even though he only threw for 143 yards, if you add those pass interference penalties on it, that's probably another 50 or 60 yards. So he'd been close to 200. But the magic number with Dak, don't forget. And uh, I'm going to go back and look at the stats because uh, I've, I've said it before. I just want to update them. Uh, the magic number for Dak is really right around 34 pass attempts. When he throws fewer than 34 pass attempts, the winning percentage is like 90%. Yep, agreed. agreed. Um, yep. You know, because that, you know, because then he doesn't have a chance to put the ball in harm's way. He's usually pretty efficient. He's usually pretty accurate. And it takes advantage of all his strengths and limits his liability. And so today with 24 attempts, that was fine. Um, they didn't have to take a lot of shots. Uh, they played nice. They really played, and we've said this before, but when you think about it as, as we're talking through this game, they really played a nice complimentary style once they got the lead early. They didn't do anything crazy. Um, they just kind of manu- matter-of-factly went about it. And to me, that drive to start third quarter was the FU drive, like, hey, dog, don't even think about it. Ain't no comeback tonight. Uh, we'll see y'all, you know, when y'all come to Dallas. But this thing right here is over. It's 26 nothing. Um, you know, at halftime. And then they just come right out, man. And third quarter, go the length of the field and uh, just put the game away there. And uh, 10 plays, 75 yards. Uh, you know, Dak does his thing. And then Pollard scores on a one-yard run. And that's a wrap. Uh, what do you think of Dak tonight? I thought Dak played solid. I thought uh, they kept the reins on Dak when they, like you said, when uh, before halftime when they ran the ball and punted it. Hey, why risk it? Why put our defense in in, in position where they got to defend some a short field? You know, as as a as a person who played on defense when I played, um, I hated when our coach would go for it on fourth down on our side of the field or just, just take risks on offense because he knew he had a good defense. That's not the way to play. You know you got a good defense, why take the risk? You know, why keep them out there longer than they're supposed to? I think that's the way McCarthy called it. I think the days of Dak getting 300 yards, 
it's going to be when he have to have 300 yards, and that's the best way to play, you know, when, when you got to get it. Um, 143 yards, last year, if you'd ask me, would I be satisfied with that? I'd be like, what's wrong with you? But this year, <laughs> I like seeing Dak come out the game. I didn't care what his stats are. He's been having gaudy stats, empty yards, all kinds of stuff like that, and we haven't been consistently winning. So 143 yards right. is fine by me because we got the W. That's what counts. Sometimes it counts how you get it. How we got it tonight? Okay, I, I got texts from friends saying I'm not impressed with the offense. Well, I said you ain't looking hard enough. Ain't no turnovers. <laughs> ain't no extra stuff going. You know, you just getting a straight bologna sandwich, and it tastes good. You know, I don't know. Put, I, <laughs> said straight bologna Straight sandwich. bologna. Sometimes you just want the bologna, the bread, the mustard, and it's all good. All that extra stuff, you don't want. I mean, you ain't got to have it. You ain't got to have it to get full. You ain't got to have it to win the game. So, you know, that's how I thought he played. I thought he played, like you say, he played within himself. So, you know. No, I thought, I thought he did a nice job today, man. Pushed the ball around. Uh, like I said, he didn't do anything wild, nothing crazy. Mm-hmm. He played to the score. Yeah. And uh, I don't know that they've always done that. You know, I think uh, we can look back and maybe we'll talk about it one day. I think when you when you examine it, Kellen Moore probably got fired because the Cowboys lost the game in Green Bay when they were up in the second half and they lost the game in Jacksonville when they were up 27-14. Yeah. I bet if we go back and look at those games, we're like, y'all didn't play like you were like you were like you were ahead and in control. And what I mean is, you know, Kellen Moore I mean, Kellen Moore sometimes could have some of those three play 45-second drives where you throw three straight incompletions. Yep. Um, yep. And when you're winning, that obviously ain't what you do. And you saw today how, you know, as once they had control of the game, it was run the ball, run the ball. Hey, we got a pass here, first down. Now let's get back to running the ball, controlling the clock, and uh, dictating the game. Well, it's good to see. It's good to see Coach having control of his own destiny. It's good to see Coach having the respect as a play caller and a coach. You know, what's the difference between him and Sean Payton? No difference. They both won the Super Bowl. Well, the difference is Sean Payton probably wouldn't have took this job, but they both won the Super Bowl, and they both, you know, coached Hall of Fame quarterbacks. But, they, you know, Mike, for some reason, Mike McCarthy don't get the respect that he got, that Sean Payton get. Well, Jaron Rodgers ran him out of Green Bay, and neither one of them has won anything since. So, you know, that's – that's what I'm talking about when it comes to coach. I think coach is good if he's in control. Plus, I think Dak has – I think Dak is being held accountable by coach when he wasn't last year. I didn't feel that. I don't know that, but I didn't feel like he was ever held accountable. I thought him and – him and uh, – uh, uh, Kellen Moore was too Kellen, tight. Yeah, they was buddies because Dak would throw and pick and he would walk over there and look at that tablet, and he never even looked at coach. I mean, Tom Brady gets coached. Joe 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 Burrow gets coached. Uh, Patrick Mahomes gets coached. You know, Dak was not getting. I didn't feel like Dak was getting coached. So that's a big difference this year. Well, we will uh, we will see. Big win for the Cowboys, forty to nothing over the Giants. Uh, uh, before we head out for tonight, because we are taping right after the show, so it's been a late night for everybody. Uh, I did put the questions out for Twitter. I told the Twitter people we would answer a few questions from them. Uh, this is a uh, this is a question from Jamie Lindsay. 
on Twitter. Was the offense off due to no preseason game snaps? I think uh, that was a problem across the league. Uh, you can't replicate the speed of the game in practice or the preseason. And when you don't play in the preseason and you come out here, I bet it feels like those guys are moving 100 miles an hour, especially on offense. If you look around the league today, there are a lot of offenses and a lot of quarterbacks that struggle. Uh, it's a lot easier for defenses, uh, which is why early in training camp you'll see oftentimes how the defense will be ahead of the offense and uh, wreaking havoc for them. So I definitely think uh, the lack of preseason snaps by most teams, especially on offense, especially with the high-paid quarterbacks, had an effect today Uh with the uh, with because there weren't weren't a lot of strong quarterback performances uh, today. And I just think that uh, the lack of continuity from practice in the offs in the uh, preseason had a little bit to do with that. Um, so yes, Jamie, I think that'll be corrected by a lot of teams next week. Uh, tall smile. Do we give the tight ends a pass for dropping so many balls? Hell no. We talked about that briefly. They just got to catch. Like, I, I think Jake Ferguson has a hand to be a good tight end. He, You could see what happened. He'd stopped looking at the ball because he was trying to turn up and run, and he dropped it. Uh, Hendershot just got to make that catch. Uh, maybe he's got distracted because a little bit in traffic. He had to jump for it. But relatively speaking, it was a great throw from Dak and a catch that he's supposed to make. And, uh, you know, he dropped another one later. And so, uh, you know, they just got to make those plays. Uh, because against on a different day, because we all know they're not going to beat everybody forty to three. Most games in the NFL are decided by a touchdown or decided in the fourth quarter. They'll need those plays, and uh, they can't give them away. Um, we got Ray of Hope, and I'm gonna let you handle this one, Joe. How good could this defense really be? Uh, I think it's a championship defense. Like I said, uh, Dan Quinn has been given. Everything he's asked for, and he haven't wasted the opportunity to build a team. You got a defensive coordinator that's that's taken that's won a Super Bowl with his defense, and has taken a team to the Super Bowl and was almost about to lose, about to win the Super Bowl. So I think you got experience. I think you got uh, uh, players that believe in what he's doing, and he got good chemistry with guys. When you got good chemistry with guys and a, and a guy plays four plays and he knows I'm going to get four plays, I'm going to get four plays in a rotation, but when I get out there I'm fighting for more more time, that's what it feels like when they play, they rotate those safeties in and out. Uh, when they rotate the defensive, end, the defensive line out, everybody is busting their ass and trying to make a play, and that's, that's motivation from the coach. They all pros. They need yeah, motivation. No. So I think the defense is championship worthy. Yeah, I think it's. Uh, I think it has an opportunity to be an elite level defense because it all starts with Michael Parsons. So you have a superstar to build around. Then you have a couple of other guys and Trayvon Diggs and Stephon Gilmore, uh, who could be in the superstar category or at least the star category pretty easily. And then you got some young players trying to earn a reputation. Uh, it's. You know, I say this quite a bit when talking about certain teams. Like the Cowboys defense right now, right now, this defense, they're not putting any bad players on the field. They may put an average player on the field, but they're not putting any bad players on the field. There's no guy you look at and say, oh, let's go attack that guy. We should have some fun with him today. Uh, they don't have that, man. And so everybody they put out there, 
is a, is a, is at least an average player to a good player, and uh, even the backups have some skills. And so it's a, uh, I'm interested to see how they evolve and what Dan Quinn can do because you're right. Um, I'm gonna take a look at that Atlanta defense and one of those Legion of Boom defenses, uh, the best version of it, and just kind of see how this team compares because uh, they, man, the way they were running and hitting today, and you know. I always look at a defense. How many fumbles did they cause today from just laying the wood to people, man? They are fast and they are physical, and that's how championship teams uh, look. Well, dare I say, this defense reminds me of the 92 defense. Okay. The rotation, the skills, um, the the size. You know, they, they, they're not the biggest. Well, they, they are bigger up front than the 92 defense, but – the linebackers and players like that, it's all speed around now. And that's the way 92 was. We wasn't very big up front, but we had a great rotation, and that defense was light. And we had the great Emmitt Smith. That was the best defender we had. I know he played offense, but he chewed that clock up. You know, when you when you, you, you had ball control, that's, that's the defense's best friend, and that's what made the 92 defense great, that they didn't have to be out there all the time. So – I think if Mike McCarthy keep calling offense like he like he is, that's gonna help the defense too. It's it's all it all makes the de- you know leads to the defense being great, and I hope I answered that well enough. But yeah, that that I think I think they're gonna be good. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I think uh, I don't really have any doubt about that. We have one more question, and it's about uh, the secondary. Can these young second and third year defensive players continue to play at the level that we saw today? And uh, I don't really see why not. You know what I mean? You know, when you look at Deron Bland and uh, you look at Marquise Bell, um, all those guys were put in their Dan Quinn additions and they were put in place to play a certain way. And so, um, yeah, EV Strong. Uh, I think they will continue to play well because uh, the more opportunities they get to play, the better that they'll be. Uh, yep. Wanya Thomas with a big play today, did some good things in the secondary. They just uh, – here's what happens when you have a guy like Dan Quinn calling your defense. And there's a few other guys like him in the league. He hasn't – he had he knows exactly – okay, check this out. I just had a thought. We do this when we play. If, you, if you're a person who plays video games like Madden or NBA 2K or, in my case, FIFA, and you're one of those people who likes to go into career mode, okay, you can change teams. Every team you go to, you typically build the same type of team. You know, if you like big linemen, then wherever you go, first thing you do is make sure you get your big linemen. If you like speed on the wide, wide outs, the first thing you do is go get acquire speed on your wideouts. If you like big two guards and two gay, then that's what you go do. Well, Dan Quinn has done this long enough. He knows exactly the types of players mentally and physically what they look like to do excel in his scheme. And so he gets those guys, and then it becomes a plug-and-play kind of thing uh, because he understands what the skill set requires, what, what the defense requires, the scheme to be effective, and uh, I think he's kind of mastered it, man. And the Cowboys are reaping the benefits of it right now. What do you think? That's what I mean when I say you got a rotation. Like you say, you don't put you. You might put an average player out there, but everybody's good. So you you if you want if you get four plays today, 
You better be busting your ass on four plays or you probably won't see the field again. You better make something happen on four. That's Dan Quinn saying, hey, I brought you here to do this specific thing right here when I put you in the game. This is what you do. Right. And so, you know, the more you know, sometimes the more plays you make, the more the more you get on the field, uh, i.e. Donovan Smith, who came, you know, who came out of nowhere. And next thing you know, hey, I'm the guy. You know, he, he started Donovan getting Wilson. Donovan Wilson. I'm sorry. Donovan Wilson. Next thing you know, hey, I'm I'm the guy. You, he was getting in the rotation little by little, you know, playing, you know, making plays with a little opportunity. I'm not saying play outside yourself, but do your assignment and do what they brought you for. And then that's going to lead you to making, you know, doing a little extra. And now you're getting more time. Now you're part of a rotation. Instead of two guys, it's three. Instead of three guys, it's four. You got to make your way on this defense. And it makes people hungry when they do that. And that's, that's, that's part of Dan Quinn's system. That's what you're saying when you get the same players. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I did. Um, final totals from the defense. Seven sacks, two interceptions, a touchdown, five forced fumbles, and uh, no points. That's about as dominant as you can be. Uh, that's going to wrap up this episode of Jock Talk. Uh, for Big Joe and the Big Rig, I'm John Jacques Taylor. Until we meet again, you guys be blessed.